You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston. I invite the congregation to please be seated. And, and as we begin our time together, I want to tell you about this guy in my neighborhood. Uh, I drive by, maybe you've seen him before, my family, we call him the South Shore Waving Guy. And and here's why, because as we drive by, we notice that he's taking a walk, and he doesn't take a walk like everyone else takes a walk. I mean, we'll see our neighbors, they'll take a walk around the block, and they'll take their time, kind of soak in everything that they're seeing. Other people, they speed walk, and they're like quickly hauling all around the neighborhood to get in their exercise. This guy, he walks completely differently. As he's walking the neighborhood, he's not just walking, but he's waving at cars. And if that wasn't enough, he's encouraging cars to honk back at him. And when they honk back at him, he points at them, gives them a thumbs up, and he's like, he's not walking. This guy's like jumping out of his skin. He's like pointing at cars, waving at them when they honk, and they're driving by. And he's not doing this just for one car, because I thought, oh, maybe there's a friend that he knows or a neighbor He's doing this for every single car. So through his entire walk, imagine, he's jumping up and down, he's pointing at cars, he's giving them thumbs up, they're honking the horn, and I'm driving by, and it's filling me with joy. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but man, this is a great way to get to the office, and he's just encouraging me, and he doesn't even know it, and it's just wonderful. And I haven't yet been able to pull off and get to know his name and get to know his story. I know he's going to talk about him today and mention him, so I would love to know the background, but his joy is just contagious, and it just gets your day started well. And I was talking to some other people, and they're like, yeah, that, that South Shore waving guy, he's waving his hands, pointing at cars, and giving people a thumbs up and an attaboy. And, and I just thought, you know what? I look at him, and I'm saying to myself, that, that guy's blessed, that guy, he's so joyful, it's contagious, he's sharing it with other people, and he wants to express that joy and love to others as they're driving along. He must be blessed. He must be doing okay in his life. And that's the question that we want to ask this morning is, what does it mean to be blessed? Does it look like that all the time, where you're happy all the time, and, and you're just expressing that joy and love and affirmation to other people? What does it mean to live a blessed life? How do you know you're blessed? How do you know you're not blessed? What does that even mean? A good friend of mine, we had this debate over many, many years. We still have this debate of even how to say the word blessed. I say it the right way. It's blessed. So at the end, there's like a T for the E-D. It's blessed. He says it, it's blessed. So he adds the extra syllable to the end. It's blessed. And then there's still other people that just say blessed right? I'm blessed today. And so between all three of those, no matter how you say it, if we're confused about how to even say the word, I think there's some confusion about what it means to live a blessed life. And we even have this phrase in our neck of the woods. We have this phrase where we say, bless your heart, right? And that could mean, you know, they're in a terrible spot and you just, you you empathize with them and you're so sympathetic. You say, oh, bless your heart. I'm right there with you. But most of the time, it means like you want to insult them and you want to make fun of them and you just say, oh, bless your heart and you cover it with that nice soft phrase. So if there's confusion about what blessing means, how do we know we're blessed? How do we know other people are blessed? How do we know we're not blessed? 
So I figured I'd go to the experts. I turned to social media. And when I went to social media, I looked at the hashtag blessed. I thought, okay, I wonder what people post when they think they're blessed. And so I've got some pictures of photos that I came across of what people think blessed life looks like. So this first photo I want to put up there, uh, as I did my research, for them, this is what a blessed life looks like. Right, we just came off of Halloween. There's some pumpkins. It's a cat. Um, I don't know if it's scary or happy. I'm not sure. Um, but they saw that. They took a picture, and they said they were blessed. Um, another picture I came across Someone posted this, a couple of pieces of pizza. They said, hashtag blessed, and, and this is actually out of Denver, Colorado, great pizza place. They said, you've got to go if you're going to get pizzas. So for them, to live the blessed life is to get a couple of piece, uh, pizzas in this Denver eatery. Here's another picture. I know, right? They must live the blessed life. This is a Pomeranian so I saw that and I'm like, I don't have a Pomeranian. I must not be a blessed person if I don't have a Pomeranian. So it leads me to ask, as I was looking through all of that, everything that people think a blessed life means, you know what was missing? I didn't see a picture at all about someone who faced an obstacle or something troubling in their life. They didn't post that to say, you know what, I'm going through this suffering, I'm blessed. No one said, you know, this is a, a tragic event. This is an obstacle in my life. I keep bumping up against this, and I'm going to post this out, and, and I'm still blessed. I didn't see any of that. It was all happy, joyful, cute, and that's what the world means by blessed. Well, since we're here to pursue life in Jesus and to obey his calling and to step in to what he has for us in this life, I thought it would be really good to go to Jesus' words. What does he mean by blessed? What does it mean to live a blessed life in his eyes? So I invite you in the pew ahead of you, there's a Bible or you can take out your electronic device, however you engage scripture. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And if you're using the Bible in the pew ahead of you, you can find that on page 809. And we're going to be looking at a teaching of Jesus who shows us what a blessed life looks like. And as you're turning there, I want you to imagine that Jesus is taking us to this hillside. Uh, he, he's not in church. He's not in someone's home. He is outside in the city streets, and he's taking us out to this mountainside, and there's this huge crowd with us, and we're going to hear some truths that Jesus is going to speak into our hearts and into our lives. And so look with me in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, and what's about to come out of his mouth is one of the most famous teachings that Jesus has ever taught. It ranks right up there with the Lord's Prayer. These teachings that Jesus is going to say, what I love about them is that when you talk to someone who's wondering about their faith in Christ, wondering what a relationship with him is all about, might have been burned by church in the past and just not sure about taking that step, what's great is you can take this passage and, and talk with them about it. This passage causes people to lean in. It's so accessible. You, you read the words and you understand the words, but yet they're so transcendent. There's like this truth that's just out of reach. Like, man, that just sounds good, but what does that look like in practical day-to-day -day living? And, and what this teaching is, as you look, you might see in the top of the header of your Bible, it says the Beatitudes. And you might be confused, like, well, the word Beatitude 
I don't know where that came from. That must be a made-up word, and, and that isn't in anywhere in Jesus' teaching. He doesn't say that word at all. Well, that word beatitude, it comes from the Latin beati, and it's from the Latin as the original uh, New Testament was written in Greek, and one of the first translations was to turn it into Latin. Uh, the Latin looked at this word blessed, and Jesus is going to say this word blessed a lot in the passage, and the Latin took that term blessed and said it's beati or Beatitudes, where we get the Beatitudes from. So at the next Youth Trivia Night, if this is a question, this is going to guarantee catapult your table to the top of the leaderboard list. So keep this in mind. Remember this. And remember, I want you to notice where he isn't at. He's not giving this teaching in church, not in the context of worship, not in the, someone's home. He is out in the streets. And he's communicating that these truths are accessible to anyone. They're available to anyone whether you're near to God or far away from him, that this is what it means to live a blessed life. And so these beatitudes are, are descriptions of this blessed life in Christ, and they build on each other, and they, they gather momentum as you go along. And we're not going to have time to go through all of them today, but we're just going to focus on the first two that Jesus says, what it means to live a blessed life. So look with me in verse 3. He starts out and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. So right out of the gate, Jesus is already flipping the script. He's already turning the tables on what we think is a blessed life. What does that even mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, to be poor means to not have enough. Financially, to, to be poor means you don't have the means. You've got too much month at the end of the money. You've got a car repair, pretty major, and you get the invoice, you get the quote, and you're like, there's no way I can make this repair and your bank account's depleted. To be poor means you're inadequate. It means you don't have it. It means you, you're nothing. To be poor means you tried out and you did your best. And when they post the names and you're looking and you go from the top and you work, work your way down, you realize that there's one name missing and it's yours. You weren't good enough. You weren't athletic enough. You weren't dramatic enough. You didn't make the cut. To be poor means you're inadequate. And Jesus says, this isn't just poor, this is poor in spirit. So what this looks like is resume after resume, you're sending that in to, to land a job, and you finally get a face-to-face -face interview. And you think the interview goes super well, and you're leaving, and you're like, yeah, I've got this job, it's, it's solid, this is great. Only to find out they email you and they say, you know what, you're overqualified, we're going in a different direction and your spirit is crushed, your spirit's deflated, or you're moving along in a relationship and all of a sudden it blindsides you, they, they dump you, they leave you, and they tell you, it's not you, it's me, but you really know, yeah, it's, it's me, and you're, you're crushed, and you're like, how am I, what does the next day look like? How am I going to tell this and explain this to my friends and to my family? And your spirit is just dashed and humiliated. In those moments, when you're poor in spirit, Jesus says you're blessed. Now, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that we go looking for those situations. It doesn't mean we sabotage our spirit and we look for bad situations so that we can be blessed by God. That's not what Jesus is teaching. What he's saying is when we find ourselves in those situations, when we're blindsided by life circumstances and we're wondering where God is, we're wondering if anyone really cares 
Jesus speaks into our hearts and into our ears. He says, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he tells us that this is the posture, this is the best posture to approach him with. To say, Jesus, I'm inadequate. I can't do this on my own. To go to him empty-handed and say, Jesus, I got nothing to bring to the table. I have nothing. Everything I've tried to work on, it, it just, it doesn't work out. And if that's where you're at, you're blessed because you're not alone. Now, it doesn't mean you stay there. It doesn't mean you're a doormat for the rest of your life to say, I'm inadequate, I'm nothing. But it's to watch as God works in you and gives you strength and gives you this peace and this grace that the world can't give so that you can keep going, that you can keep moving, that you can see the paths that God is unfolding before you. And so in these Beatitudes, Jesus is going to say, blessed, and then whatever condition we find ourselves, and then a result, right? What happens when we find ourselves poor in spirit? So look with me in verse 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you are empty, when you've got nothing else to give, Jesus says, you've got the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say, yours will be the kingdom of heaven, so hang in there and do your best. He doesn't say yours will be the kingdom of heaven after you die. He says yours is the kingdom of heaven right now, today, in this condition. As you are poor in spirit, as you're brokenhearted, Jesus meets you right here and now with God's kingdom. And God invites all of us to participate in that kingdom, to be able to live this out now, today. And this is so backwards. It doesn't make any sense at all for us. See, many of us, we come to God, we go to him with our resume, and we say, God, here's all the good things I do, here's all the bad things I've avoided, here's all the Bible studies I've attended, the prayers I've prayed, uh, the Bible and the scripture that I've read, I've done all those things, and and I love what Pastor Dan said last week. Uh, Maybe you know that you're a sinner and you make mistakes, but you say to yourself and you justify it with his resume before God, and you say, God, I'm one of the good sinners, Right? I don't sin as bad as someone else, so I must be blessed. And if you go before God with that posture, with this resume of good things you've done and bad things you've avoided, man, you're on the wrong footing. You're on shaky ground. Because how know that you've done enough good for God's blessing? How, know, how do you know that you've thought and, and you've, you're smart enough for God's blessing or, or done enough for other people? That's why when people are poor in spirit, when they feel so inadequate, they've got nothing left to give, and they go to Jesus to say, Jesus, I'm nothing, but you're everything. Help me. Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Your qualification for the kingdom is your lack of qualification. That's what gets you in. It's not something you deserve. It's not something you've earned. It's what Jesus has done for you. And so with that as a foundation, whenever we're poor in spirit, we're reminded that we have the kingdom of God, that it comes to us and it's with us. Jesus builds on that and gives the second beatitude. In verse 4, he says, Blessed are those who mourn. If you're mourning, you're blessed. So what are you mourning? Maybe some of you, you're mourning your, your senior year. You're supposed to graduate, have a prom and a dance, walk across the stage, And all that got messed up in the past years, and you're grieving that. You didn't have all the traditions that everyone else had, and you're poor in spirit, and you're mourning. Or maybe you've got a loss of identity. 
you wrapped your worth around this company or this division that you took to great heights and it was going super well and then all of a sudden it got dashed. There was a buyout or it just, the business all dried up and you're left wondering, oh, I'm worthless. I can't contribute anything to this world. And you're mourning that. Or maybe today on this All Saints Sunday, you're mourning a real loss of a friend or a family member. You might be wondering, why are we doing this? Why are we honoring uh, All Saints Sunday? And what this is, is just a moment to remember the losses in our lives and not to dwell on those, but to seek God's healing and God's strength. To lift up our family and friends, those around us who have lost their loved ones, to be able to encourage them and let them know we have not forgotten, even though the world moves on. And so on this day, a little later on in the service, you'll, you'll see a camera panning through these platforms uh, and, and these banners. And as they do so, we ask you to, to pray for the family and friends of all those who've lost loved ones. And if you're sitting there as someone who's lost a loved one, just know that we grieve with you. This weekend's really difficult for my family, especially because of the loss of my dad and our twins. And I say that not for you to feel sorry for me or to, or to compare and say my loss is worse than your loss. Any loss is bad. But I'm just saying we know what it's like to grieve. We know what it's like to mourn. And we have a Savior who mourns with us. We have a Savior who promises, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. He, he gives us this picture. This is an amazing picture because not only does he comfort us, but he promises to make everything right. Whenever you've lost someone, haven't you ever asked or had this spirit inside of you and said, you know what, this isn't right. This shouldn't be happening. This person passed away way too soon. These parents lost their children and that's not right. And, and whenever that not right is happening in you, Jesus says, you know what? He affirms that. You're absolutely right. That's not the way I created the world. That's not the way I created relationships to be. And he gives us the promise because he conquered death and sin for us. He gives us this picture in Revelation 21. Look with me. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And look what he promises to do. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither, and look what he says, neither shall there be mourning or pain or crying for the former things have passed away. There is a new day coming. There is a day when Jesus will make all things right and he will comfort you in your mourning, not just today, but he promises to make it right when he returns. And so that's why he says in verse four, back in Matthew chapter five, he says, blessed are you who mourn, blessed are you who cry, because you will be comforted. How does he do that? Well, he puts us in community. He, he puts relationships around us so that we know and we're assured we're not alone. And whenever Jesus sees someone mourning, he always goes to them and he restores their spirit. He acknowledges the loss. He takes the broken pieces of their lives and puts them back together again. He acknowledges that and reminds them that this is not the end, that death is not the victor. I want to leave with you a quote that someone shared with me that I thought was, was really helpful for this moment. Uh, it's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his work in Life Together. 
uh, Dietrich, he discipled and trained church leaders to go out and serve the communities around them in Germany when it was occupied by the Nazis during World War II. And Dietrich shares this quote, and, and he shares this teaching, and it's about worship, it's about singing, but I want to connect it to those of us who are mourning. This is what he says. It is the voice of the church that is heard in singing together. It is not you that sings, it is the church that is singing. And you, as a member of the church, that you may share in its song. Thus, all singing together that is right must serve to widen our spiritual horizon, make us see our little company as a member of the great Christian church here on earth, and to help us willingly and gladly to join our singing, be it feeble or good, to the song of the church. Here's what he's saying. He's saying when we worship, when we praise God and we gather together, we're not just starting something new, but we're partnering and we're part of a worship service that is eternal and divine, that is going on and has been going on and will continue to go on, and we get to enter in and participate in that. And whenever we're singing, whether it's bad or good in our ears, it doesn't matter, that we get to participate in this church that is everlasting, in this community of faith that God has connected us with in the saints before that have gone before us and the future that is yet to be, that we get to be a part of that. So if that vision, if you can just imagine that, that our songs and our worship is joining in all eternity, can you imagine how much our mourning and our crying and our pain is held by the church? Not just here at Glory Day, but through all ages and through all eternity. That's the promise that Jesus gives to us. So yes, blessed are those of you who do mourn, for you will be comforted. And Jesus follows through on that, and he helps us with that. So let me leave with you with this. As you're thinking about this and, and looking at Matthew 5, I would encourage you and I would challenge you to read Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Take this home and, and throughout the rest of the week, just meditate on this, pour on this. Look at these words that Jesus shares in Matthew chapter 5. And ask yourself these two questions. God, where am I presenting you a resume? Where am I presenting you all the good things that I'm doing, all the bad things I'm avoiding, so that I can earn more of your love? God, and pray this prayer, God, help me see that I'm blessed just because you created me, just because you're in my life, that I'm blessed. And for those of you who are mourning, confess that. What are you mourning? What is it that is at loss and, and a pain in your life? And hear Jesus' promise, you will be comforted that he is there and that he will give you the strength every step of the way along the journey to see that you are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at gdlc.org for next steps you can take. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.